0: in 1789 Haydn wrote his fantasy in C major subtitled Capriccio and this looks back to the G major Capriccio that I played to you earlier on but it is a much more mature masterpiece already conceived for the for the piano for the hammerflügel of the time. I would like to lead you through this composition as it progresses, because it's, it's a really masterly piece of music. Again, very funny, very humorous, but profoundly so. It's a very virtuoso piece, the tempo is presto, and it's based, again, on an Austrian folk song, Die Bauerin hat die Katz verloren. The peasant woman has lost the cat. And she she is looking for it. Uh, The music moves through labyrinths. It's a real maze of a composition. So here is the beginning. Straightforward, very simple. The character is obvious. Now, the piece is in 3 eight time, so one two three, one two three, and three-eighths can be divided into six semiquavers, which can be grouped three times two, or twice three. So, either you go... or you... Yes. And so... (laughs) He stops on the dominant. And this composition is an illustration of one side of Haydn's sense of humor, which is based on expectation and surprise. What do you expect, and what you are getting? (laughs) So now comes a little fugato imitation. The bass starts the theme and the treble answers, the commas. so not with an ascending fourth but with an ascending fifth. Then a sixth, then a seventh, then an octave. It's very funny. classical cadence, 6-4 chord, dominant 7th and tonic and this piece is, is a strange formal construction it's something between sonata form and rondo form and at this point in a sonata the second theme has to appear and so it does imitating two horns. It's a typical horn call. <laughs> With the treble you have the piccolo playing, uh, which is a rhythmic reminder of the main theme. Sim- It's a rhythmic thing, Uh, so. Now what are you expecting? That the theme would come. But what does Haydn do? this outburst in in B-flat major. Nothing to do with what we have heard before, or uh, really in in terms of tonality. Very unexpected. Again, he's using this hemiola, this three against two, so. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one, two. And so let me play on. what you expect. Uh, (laughs) It's like a a comedy of errors. (laughs) So Haydn realizes here he would be on the dominant of A major, but he doesn't want to continue in A major, he, be- he wants to come back to C major, and he, he realizes that he's 20 half steps away. <laughs> Mere 20 half steps. But it can do four times five. And we're back we are Just the color of the minor. This hand crossing is an invention of Domenico Scarlatti until he got very fat. <laughs> <laughs> the, in Madrid, he must have had very good dishes and because we we see that in the early sonatas of Scarlatti there is a lot of hand-crossing, in the late sonatas of Scarlatti there are no hand-crossings. But Haydn at Esterháza must also have enjoyed the cuisine. However, we musicians are very lucky today because when we are invited somewhere to a nice house, we can eat in the dining room. Haydn and similar musicians, they had to eat in the kitchen with the stuff. Anyway, here are the hand crossings. You are in F minor, and so now D flat major is the famous Napolitan. and C-sharp minor are enharmonic, yes. And the C-sharp minor suddenly shows Haydn a new possibility, a new way to go. And he finds himself again on this E in the bass, which is dominant of A major. Last time, he climbed back on the 20 steps, you remember. But he has done that once before, so he wants to... Uh. And this is really the most revolutionary part of this piece, because here Haydn writes in Italian I translate that into English now. Hold this note as long as it is no longer audible. <laughs> now even on a period instrument, this is a very long time indeed. Now, if, if I hold this one as long as it disappears, then you will think that I have had a memory lapse. <laughs> It could happen, but <laughs> not now. And then again, you would expect the theme. But what does Haydn do? I reduce now with some tricks this, that it doesn't take so long. And he he moves a semitone up. And the horn call motif comes. And notice that when we first heard this in G major, it was very cheerful. In B flat, it's more mysterious. And now you would expect, but no way. Now <laughs> well, he has to come back from B flat major. This, this homecoming sensation is very important in classical music, in all, all music. I mean, this is my main problem with contemporary music, if I may say so. <laughs> that there is no, it's not this feeling of that, ah, oh, here we are at long last. After many excursions and many travels and trips, we are back home. So, now he has found a…
1: Now comes another passage.
0: The Schubertian modulation. Schubert loves this third related yeah, modulation. And then the, the dynamics are very important. Subito forte, subito, pianissimo. This is also that Haydn could never have done on the harpsichord. So he wrote differently for the harpsichord. Now for the, for the forte piano, he has new possibilities of expression and of dynamics, so. And because we are on a sixth chord of E flat minor, G flat, B flat and E flat, but the E flat can be an harmonic with D sharp. So to die away and we have heard this before it moves up a semitone and now this G is the dominant of C major and the whole fantasy is in C major so we are getting near the end Outburst. Why the piece is called a fantasy because it's like like an improvisation it's it feels improvised yet it is very carefully constructed there's nothing accidental about it now comes the fugato again in the tonic This whole section is like like a cadenza in a piano concerto. Once again, we find ourselves on the subdominant. I don't know why, but he knows. (laughs) Base bass, like a bull in the china shop. Yeah. These things on a Haydn piano could have been played on glissando. Sympathetic, it can even do it today. And then, uh, so let's just play the end of this piece. So that's the C major fantasy. like to talk about the F minor variations which is a colossal masterpiece not just among Haydn's keyboard compositions but in his whole output and indeed in, in all of western music. Um, this is a really late masterpiece written in 1793. It has a strange Subtitle un piccolo divertimento, a little entertainment, uh, but it's completely misleading because this is this is not a funny piece, <laughs> not at all. This is a very somber um, reminiscent of a funeral march of its rhythm and of its uh, the whole character of the piece uh, There had been speculations that this was even meant to be uh, a monument on, on Mozart's death, but maybe that is too far-fetched because Mozart died in 1791, and this is 93. However, it's dedicated to one of Mozart's favorite pupils, Barbara von Ployer, uh, who is the dedicatee of some of Mozart's great piano concertos, or This is written for Barbara von Ployer, and so are the Haydn variations in F minor. six bars and you get this funeral march character from the from the dotted rhythms you you can feel the procession and people are taking part in a very solemn march this is then the repeated then comes the second part of the theme of the theme. Again, highly unusual. You have 17 bars divided into two five-bar phrases and a seven-bar phrase. So this is really against classical principles and conventions. You had six bars, six bars, five bars, five bars, seven bars. Extraordinary. And this work is in double variation form. Variation in the minor mode and then comes a section in the major. symmetrical because you have a question which is in four bars very very classical and the answer six. The second part of the Maggiore So this this is this matches. Uh, even if if you have light and shadow and darkness and lightness, but uh, you you have to feel that the, the, this is a tragic piece. Even in the in the section in the major mode, it it provides um, catharsis or a, or a, a sort of. Uh, consolation, but we stay in the tragic mood. Then the minor returns in the first variation. Syncopated, and, and we feel semi quaver movement. And through the syncopations, we, we have a feeling of a certain agitation and agitato mood. this G-flat major, again, the Napolitan harmony. This is very, very important in this composition. If we look forward a few decades, and I play to you another piece. the same relationship, F minor and G flat, yeah, the napolitan, and I am quite sure that Beethoven knew the Haydn variations. I mean, this is pure intuition. I have bad luck with my intuitions, but I still (laughs) believe in them, because always some musicologist comes and that is false, Beethoven could not have known that. Uh, I still think that these things are not accidental. When I recently had a, a major fight in Munich with some German musicologist, because I, I dared to say that in Beethoven's Opus 110 sonata, this is... This is a klagende gesang, it's a lamentoso, and this is a quotation from, es ist vollbracht, from the St. John Passion of Bach, at which point the German musicologist stood up and, wrong! (laughs) Beethoven could not have known the St. John Passion of Bach. But how do we know that? (laughs) When in the Cello sonata Mm -hmm. in the development section, the piano. That's again. Well, if he Hadn't known the San John passion, then I don't know what to say. <laughs> anyway, let's go back to the Haydn variations. Yes. So, uh, so the Napolitan, uh, what happens here then? play this figuration, by the way, of Beethoven. If you know this... This is also not an accident. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with such cross-references, and one composer learns from the other. It doesn't mean that he or she had stolen something, but... uh, this this is how how music progresses from generation to generation. So then further variations come of the of the major part, and then the second variation of the minor part is very beautiful in semi-quaver runs. <laughs> in smaller and smaller note values and more and more agitated. I find this is completely desperate music. And the way he elaborates this Napolitan harmony, it's in each variation more and more intense. Uh.
1: And
0: the major comes again tenor voice you hear a horn which point the funeral march returns. silence until until this point we have heard them heard it all before but what happens now na- next the the G flat major the, the infamous Napolitan and then he repeats this fortissimo <laughs> And here begins an extraordinary passage, a coda, which is without precedent in its daring and extraordinary modulations, and it's really revolutionary. <laughs> we have the tonic F minor and and more tired. Always insisting on this rhythm. Pam, pa-pam, pam, pam pa Is he's following the shape of the variation. And he can't get away from this Napolitan. And now it's like a cadenza. This diminished seventh chord. Now it changes to a... sevens in a 3-4 inversion. <laughs> and the piece is quasi-finished, but we hear an after echo. Ninth chord, it's really mysterious. So you have these two naked octaves on both ends of the keyboard. And therefore, this is a a really tragic piece Um, that points forward. And indeed, if after this piece, if you would go into this immediately, it would be very appropriate. Would be an appropriate continuation.